Father, we come before you to rejoice in the knowledge of who we are, whose we are, and who you are. We thank you that we're not our own. We don't have to depend on ourselves. We don't have to depend on our own knowledge and understanding, but trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding because you shall direct our path. So Heavenly Father, we bless thee for thy great gifts to us, thy children, that there is provision for all our needs. We thank thee for the power given to men to bless and gladden one another by the warmth of love, the truth and tenderness of friendship and to support each other in all good. May we accept this great gift with a sense of responsibility. Let not the wealth of human love bestowed upon us be wasted and despised. The tender care lavished on us in our early days, the love of parents, the patience of teachers, the wisdom of counselors, all the sweet charities of home, the joy and strength of true, true human intercourse. As we have received of love, so may we give. May we learn the deep lessons of love, self-denial, patience, helpfulness, sympathy, and growth and gracious living. May the discipline of love train us in consistency and true virtues. May we use the love with which we have been dowed to panopile us against the evil, to preserve us under the manifold dangers and temptations of the world. Bless our friends. May they and we be friends of God. Above all, may our experiences of earthly love bring us nearer to thy love, O thou lover of our souls. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Father, it be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. I want to read something that I had written back in September of 2015. And in looking for my uh, notebook, I found some old stuff and that was, this book started out to be a journal and then eventually ended up being uh, for notes for Wednesday Bible study class. So being that it started out as a journal, then my daily activities and, and, and uh, devotion I was having with the Lord is, is written in here. And when I began to fast at the beginning of of the year and all of that. So in September 7, 2015, and this was, it goes to 2016 up to 2020, the notes in here. But anyway, on this day, this is what was put in my spirit. Globally, be aware, for God is concerned with the world. Daughters of Zion is a global ministry to prepare the church for the end times. We hadn't started the church. Prayer strategy for these end times, yes to your Lord. I would be what you call me to be. And then supporting scriptures, and I've got different kinds of little things for me. The prayer should be cry out yes to the Lord. Global change and blessings, confession and repentance truth in our inward parts, greater foundation in the word, refresh and renew in Christ, faith and trust in God. This was, this was God sending out a warning because he already know in advance what's gonna happen. Amen. Okay, we are in um, 1 Timothy chapter three. 
and I'm going to basically do just a lot of reading uh, to support these verses, because starting with, uh, with verse 1. So the title, 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 16, which is the whole chapter. So the title is Qualifications for Overseers, beginning with 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now what you're going to discover that a lot of these titles that people are, 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 are wearing, not necessarily actually operating accordingly, is, is the same for pastor. Okay? Desiring a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker. Well, I guess that's violence. Um, yes, not a violent person. Mm. Not greedy, a filthy lucre like of um, uh, money, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all reverence. That's what that gravity means. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Amen. Not a novice, which means a new convert, which often I tell, uh, I've been telling people for years that who are more concerned about what their gifting and calling is than they are about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what the Lord had revealed to me was that what you need to do is focus on your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He will definitely reveal to you what you've been called to do in time because the, the scripture in the Bible that says your gift will make room for you just means that your gift is waiting for God to complete the work in your character. And when it's done, the gift is there waiting for you to walk and step into it instead of the, just the reverse. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. And that's what happens. When we focus on what I'd say is the minor, the gifts and the offices, and not on our character and not being holy in Christ, then that's when you get all puffed up with pride and think more of yourself than you ought. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. So that good report is a good testimony. He must have a good testimony of them which are without, which made me think about on Saturday when Michelle was, was, was giving her little testimony and I had a testimony to help her to see clearer, I pray, okay, which you, so in other words, I guess what I'm saying is that as, as a leader of the church, you can't be so prideful and private what God is doing in you because it is a witness and it is encouragement for others to hang in there to get where they're trying to go other than trying to look like you have arrived and you are perfect. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and it's funny 
that Mac and I was having this conversation while we were riding to different apartments yesterday uh, because of what we were listening on the radio and his father was a presiding elder in the AME church and he was talking about how his, his mother, um, she, because, oh, I know that was uh, Pastor Brooks's uh, broadcast. It was talk where they're lifting up the wives of, uh, of, of pastors and the role that they play. Because what you need to understand that there is a definite role for the spouse to play. Okay, they're not to be sit in the background and not noticed, not respected. And, um, and so he was in how his mother was in the background and what did not do and how his father had to travel at first to a lot of other different churches. And, and I was telling him, I says, that's why in the 20th century, pastors didn't generally travel alone. They had armor bearers and there were people there to help him stay uh, uh, out of trouble and not have any adulterous relationships because there's too many women that are hung up on, on people with titles and especially pastors you can look, they can look like I don't know what. And I know that for a fact from when uh, a child being in a Baptist church of a pastor there, that if he was the last man on earth, I just wouldn't have one. And the women all over him, because they call him pastor. Okay, and I says that keep them from having these um, bad relationships and falling into temptations, because if you got somebody there with you, you can talk to them what you're sensing, let's pray to keep you from falling in, because no one is, 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 is exempt from being tempted, okay? And so, and it would, which was not a good thing for him to do all of that, and she's always at home in the background, which then explains why the, the, the sisters uh, of his family have a whole different view of their daddy than, than the men did, because they, they knew what was going on. But the reason why I, there's a difference is because, and I was, and this is, became the controversy with what I had to say. I says, you know, and it, 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 that was the reason why women would say, like when the men get out of line, get out of order, and, 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 and dealing with other women, well, that's just, that's just how men are. That's just how a man is. I says, even as a teenager, when I used to hear ancestors saying that, I've always been a rebel, okay? <laughs> I used to say, that doesn't make sense, and it's not right, and I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting this from any man, okay? And so, <laughs> so, so because they had a title and they had a position and they were a man, you have to embrace their dysfunctionalism, embrace their weaknesses, embrace what's going on and go along with it. It's like, are you insane? <laughs> Nobody's embraced that from anyone, but more especially from somebody who's supposed to be a spiritual leader before you. So anyway, uh, back to the scriptures. <laughs> Verse 7, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach. And, and, and again, that's a testimony. And, um, and, and without uh, a testimony, then he can fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Because when you put yourself 
in a position, there's two positions. When you put yourself in a position like you're not capable of doing anything wrong or you're, or you're just not wrong, you have set yourself up for the enemy to attack you and snare you into something that it, it is going to take prayer, fasting and it, of everybody to get you a out of it. The other thing is, which is what we, uh, we deal with a lot today, and that is when we hold ourselves like in such remorse, like, oh God, like, you know, you're, 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 you're so awful and you just, you just can't get over the fact of what you've done because it was just so awful. Well, do you know that you put yourself in a place of, of an idol? We all are. That's why Jesus went to the cross. So that we can confess our sins after we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior and be cleansed from it. And, 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 and not have to worry about it. Only people who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are bound by those sins still. But once you did that, now when you sin, you, yes, you should be sorrowful for what you've done, but you don't just keep holding it like you're so powerful. And how could I have ever done such a thing? And if you trust and believe God to forgive you and to cleanse you, how many times are you going to confess that thing? Do you believe? So once you confess, if you really meant it, now if you're not meaning it and you're just saying it, out, out of, of a ritual or whatever, well then at some point you do need to confess it when you're really sorry. But just keep just saying that, oh I'm sorry, oh I'm sorry, oh I'm sorry. Because God is not pleased with that. He, he says that without faith we don't please him. Amen. And that's faith in everything. So faith in your asking for forgiveness Faith in you saying, I forgive others. It's, it's not about a feeling. And if you wait for a feeling to operate on, you're going to be in big time trouble because guess what? The enemy recognizes your actions and he's never going to let you feel what you need to feel because he's the accuser of the brethren. And that's his job to constantly keep us accused so that we can fall short of God's glory. Okay, verse 8. Uh, um, I'm going to go through and read all this, but I've got other commentaries and notes and stuff I'm going to read afterwards. Likewise, must the deacons be grave or reverent, not double tongue, not given to much wine, nor greedy of filthy lucre or money, hold, holding the mystery of the faith, the hidden truths, the mystery of the faith are the hidden truths that are in the Bible. In a, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, free from a whole lot of stuff that's going on. And let these also first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon or serve as the office of the deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, or obtain uh, to themselves a good degree or standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
these things write un I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. So he says, I'm informing you of the order of the administration and the rulers of the church, okay? And I need you to follow that. I plan to come, like, I plan to come and really set this or etch this in stone, but if I don't, I've given it to you and I expect for you to follow it. He says, but if I tarry long, if I'm delayed, that thou mayest know how then oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground or the foundation of the truth. This is where we get the foundation of truth. No matter what the topic is about. Okay? So, therefore, we're to talk about anything that's going on in this life, this world, that concerns our living. Because it affects how we see and review Christ. Amen? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness or the, 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 the truths of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Okay, now I'm going to read first to you out of uh, David Jeremiah's commentary. Now out of his, his commentary, it says for verses, uh, I'm gonna be reading that contains all of the verses one through 13. It says the spiritual health of the church is determined by the quality of his leadership. And the, and the reason I'm doing all of this reading is because actually it's supporting things I've already said that I had to get from the spirit of the Lord. Okay, so I'm just confirming. Uh, this is even more true when the church is threatened by false teaching as the one in Ephesus was. Paul's words, here are meant to guide Timothy in choosing qualified exemplary leaders, pastors, and deacons. Okay? Biblical leadership is a paradox instead of telling people to claw their way to the top. So we don't act like the world does. Okay. So he says, Jesus said, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all, which is what it's so hard for human nature to, to receive because human nature wants to be on the top and be first. But that's that natural nature that we were born in when we came into this world. Once you receive the newborn nature, by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your thought does not work like that. You want to be a servant of the Lord, so you desire to serve and help others. You become a lover. So you question what's going on with people who act contrary to what Paul is saying to us in these verses. He says, Paul uses two different Greek words to describe desires. One means reaches out after or aspires to. The second suggests the idea of inward longing for something. So 
both of them are good because you're desiring to be pleasing unto the Lord, to be holy, to be a servant, and to be lowly in nature. The other means that you want to, uh, uh, to reach up to acquire what God desires for us to acquire in his church and in our bodies. Amen. These words together portray the right attitude for people in ministry. Those who eagerly pursue ministry and service do so because they deeply long to do God's will and no other reason. Amen. As Paul outlines a plan for church governance, he begins with the pastor or bishop. Okay. Uh, the Greek word is also translated elder. The, this person is responsible for the oversight and spiritual care of the church and must be able to teach. That means you have a responsibility for the character of the people that you are shepherding over. So when I get up in your business, it's not because I want to know anything, because I really, really don't. It's because I have a responsibility when I see things that are going in the wrong direction or I don't see where you're going to benefit from something, because outside of that, I'm not going to do that, okay? It's to just help you be who God has called you to be, okay? It says, these qualifications, which includes uh include concise descriptions of a leader's marriage, family, family life. Okay, y'all listening? Yeah. <laughs> Public and private behavior, attitude and reputation all fall under the charge to be blameless. The word must reveal that living this kind of life is a prerequisite for leaders. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? We do not have the right as a leader to disrespect the leaders in the church. And you don't make a decision about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it when it concerns serving in the church. And we do not have the privilege of having an attitude because it doesn't line up with your desires. You better line your desires up with God's. Then it will fall in line with, with the righteous leaders. Right, amen. The character of a leader is an evident at home, among family, as it is in official duties of the church. Well, now sometimes that's one of the problems. Because <laughs> how they're acting at home is, is carried over when they come to church. But that's why we have to be working on that because what you do at home should be the same as what you're going to do in church, righteous. Okay? If those who want to leave the church cannot control their own households, how can they expect to watch over God's household? Godly leadership begins at home. Amen? Pastoral office. The pastor who shepherds today's church also fulfills the New Testament role of elder and bishop overseer. 
and is responsible to God for the spiritual welfare of the church. When Christ returns, he will judge and reward these pastors, elders, according to their faithfulness in leading the church to accomplish God's will. There are at least seven different titles for the New Testament pastor. The term elder is used over 20 times, emphasizing the pastor's wisdom and maturity. See, when you use the word elders, just like, like you know, I, I, I tried to share with people, uh, while we're aging, getting older, and you're, and you're graying, that is really a compliment. Because gray in the Bible represents wisdom. Okay? <laughs> So stop trying to hide that wisdom. <laughs> now you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. Um, let me see. Also, um, emphasizing the pastor's wisdom and maturity. The title bishop emphasizes the administrative function of the office. While people wearing that title, going around and being treated as if they're Jesus. And all it is, it just means you're a servant. Because you're to make sure that administrative functions in, uh, uh, are going forth. So, when I start fussing at administration and telling them about what you haven't been doing and what you need to do, I'm fulfilling my role. So while you're trying to judge me, the word pastor emphasizes the responsibility of caring for the church. As a shepherd cares for the sheep. The word preacher emphasizes the ministry of publicly proclaiming God's word. The title teacher, teacher emphasizes that the pastor should be apt to teach. The pastor is also called a servant, reminding him that he is to minister to others and he is a steward managing the property of others, the church of Christ. Both Timothy and Titus were pastors of churches started by Paul who wrote the pastoral epistles to them. Christians should be supportive of their pastors as they attempt to fulfill their biblical ministry, which is not at all. So you, if you are really in tune to the word of God, this is why everybody's supposed to study the word really in tune to the word of God and you want to be supportive, you will do some things differently to help lift the burden off of the pastor other than telling them, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. That's not necessary. You just do what you need to do to help to lift the burden. As, and, 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 and there's just some things that, that, that it is petty and it ain't even necessary. But so you're making sure that things are running according to how they should be running and that the people who are part of, of the church, that their needs are being met because you are in tune. Now let me t read about the deacon. The word deacon de derives from a Greek word for servant. Hence the deacons are a serving office in the church in order to free the apostles for the more important duties of prayer and ministry of the word. So those apostles are just pastors, okay? And so to help eliminate some of their, 
the, those duties the deacons do so that they can focus more in praying and in the word. Let me tell you, when, when, when I um, send a message to welfare because somebody is in my heart and in my prayers, follow on to it and, 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 and don't make a big deal out of it. Because I'm the shepherd, so God will put certain things in my spirit sometimes. And then I pass it on to you to see, have you been in touch? Well, then you need to call them. And you need to be more in prayer about what should we do? Who should we call? Ask these questions. Don't go on your natural ability. Ask God. That, that's why I believe God often put people in my spirit that I haven't seen in a long time because I'm asking him, who do you want me to pray for? And how do you want me to pray for them? And he drops things into my spirit sometimes at odd hours, okay? So I'm passing it on to the ministry who's in charge to make sure that you take care of that. It is not to critique your ability of what you're doing. And I don't need to hear all of these kind of response to make you look like you're doing your job. Just say, thank you, okay, I will, or I've already done, and this is the report. They are generally thought to have been deacons. While there is no job description for a servant, the nature of a deacon's qualification gives insight into his duties. The first deacons performed routine labors in the church and were responsible for promoting harmony among various groups within the assembly. This blessed me because it's just a comment I just made yesterday because when you're interchangeably working with other ministries in the church, stop putting the blame and, and saying they, they didn't say they didn't. We are to work in unity. You know, I, I was uh, thinking about this. Do you have a name for that? I need to do this. Would you give me the work together in unity? Stop trying to point out other people's dysfunctionalism and, and, and how they have not stepped up to the plate to do what they need to do. Help them. Work in unity and in peace. You, you want to walk around individually like perfection, like you have, like you're perfected. And I keep saying the only way that we are perfected, that everybody in here are doing what you've been purposed to do, you bringing it together as one picture, that's the perfection. Not one individual is not perfect. We got to work cohesively together and unity that brings the perfection. Deacons may also have served in an advisory capacity and they engage in spiritual ministries, including preaching and church planting. In one sense, every Christian should act like a deacon and encouraging church harmony and helping others serve Christ more effectively. Amen. Amen. Now, and, and, and I'm going to go back to verse 2 because it, it, it says that during those times, polygamy was very common. It was a common, serious problem among the churches. And that's why Paul was really addressing to be husband of one wife, okay, because of that uh, polygamy stuff that was that was going on. But going back to verse 15, Paul was called anointed and appointed by Jesus and given the mystery of the gospel, the truth of the gospel and church order. So he had the authority and the right to write out the rules 
of how church is supposed to be orchestrated and how the leaders are supposed to be. And it all began the church in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, okay, in the upper room where Jesus sent them to pray. And at that point, it says daily thousands was added to the church. All right. Jesus reveals his mystery to his people, which is plain and not complicated. We make it complicated. It's plain and it's not complicated and it's very clear to a newborn spirit. Jesus reveals the mysteries to those who are born in his spirit. All right? An unregenerated person or a carnal Christian will have trouble understanding or should I say receiving, seeing, and hearing God's truth. Because sin is blinding, which causes one to be prideful, arrogant, fearful, selfish, and in denial. The Lord cannot, shall not be put in that box. It is no secret to a believer. So it's not like just because somebody is operating in the fivefold ministry, they are the only ones that can get the revealed word of God's truth. Anyone who was born again, born of his spirit, can get that. And generally, what should be taught most of the time should be confirming what's in your spirit. In verse 16, you notice that um, Timothy 3, it says, Paul climaxed that chapter with, and without controversy, great is the truth of godliness. That's the mystery. You, <laughs> Isn't it interesting that he uses the word mystery in reference to truth? It is a mystery to unregenerate people who we all were born in this world sinful, unregenerate. That's why we have to accept Jesus. That's why that is the most important message to get out, the gospel of Jesus Christ and, the, and, and, and understanding what it all means for you to grow in the knowledge of him and not stay in one place. Because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it was just a door opener. And you got to go through that door to grow, to grow, to grow. Amen. And so he says that uh, God, in the, this is the mystery, um, mystery. God was manifested in the flesh. All right. The scriptures that support this is in uh, Matthew 1. Okay. Be, bear with me. I'm going to climax with this, but I want to go through some of these scriptures. So, okay, let's go over to Matthew 1. And I do this because uh, for new believers need to be encouraged by the truth and not just accept what they hear from a person's mouth. Matthew 1, verse 23 says, Behold, a virgin should be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, which being, inter oh. <laughs> which being interpreted as God with us. Okay, so this is 
<clears throat> God manifests in the flesh. Okay, another scripture that supports that is John 1. John 1 and uh, verse um, uh, 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 23 says, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah, which is proof that it was, uh, it was preached and, and, and spoke of by the prophets. Okay, um, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. That confirms the virgin birth of, of Jesus Christ. And then 1 John 1, 2. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was, and was manifested unto us. So after the, the sin and the break in the garden, the Lord graciously and mercifully manifested his life to us through his son Jesus when we accept him, which allows us to be restored to who God originally created us to be. Amen. Okay, it also says that um, um, back in um, Timothy that it was justified in the spirit. So uh, let's go over to Matthew 3.16. Matthew 3.16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lightning upon him. And that's when the Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him to do ministry because after the baptism is when Jesus' ministry started on the earth for 33 years, okay? I don't know about anybody else, but I remember, because see, I was sprinkled as a Catholic, I was baptized as a Baptist, but when I really got baptized after salvation, yeah because salvation hadn't happened prior to that. I was churched and didn't know nothing. But when I got saved and then I got baptized, when I came up out of the water, there was a different, the spirit of God was upon me and oh, Jesus, I can't even explain because I came up out of that water, feel full, okay? So I can, I, I can relate to this because, th because that's what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Because when you go into that water, the water don't save you. Amen. The water is declaring that you are saved Amen. and you've given your life to Christ. And, and when I go down in this water, I'm announcing to the world, I'm burying that old nature and I'm rising up in the new nature in Christ. Amen. Okay, uh, let's go over to Romans 1, verse 4. Romans 1, 4. And declare to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. We know who that is. By the resurrection from the dead. So the Holy Spirit comes in, not only reveals the truths of God's mysteries, but he rises us from a dead world 
a dead sense to bring us into life. And that is in any given situation. We, because anything <clears throat> pertaining to carnality and world things is dead. God raises us up into his life to rise above it. That's why some things that you may think or say don't make sense to the world. It isn't supposed to. It is of Christ, but it's supposed to enlighten, convict, and bring them into a newness and into a new knowledge. So don't worry about appeasing and appealing to the world and making sense. As a matter of fact, if you're not, rejoice. Because you're speaking what thus says the Lord. But when you got everybody in the world says who is agreeing with you as a believer, you're in trouble. Also, it says it was seen of the angels. And Matthew 28, 2 uh, supports that. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And only an angel could do that because that's that's what helped to convert some of those uh, Roman soldiers because they couldn't figure out who rolled that stone and how did he get out of that grave? <laughs> okay. Um, and preached unto the Gentiles. Let's go over to Acts 10, 34. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person means this word is preached to whosoever will and whoso have ears to hear and a heart to receive what the spirit of the Lord said. Said, so God is not impartial. He came that the world will accept him and come to him. He didn't just come for some precious, precious few people. Um, unfortunately, there's only gonna be a remnant when Jesus comes back that's gonna go with him because of doubt and unbelief and sin. You know, you know what amazes me? We expect so much from God and give him nothing. We don't want to make any sacrifices for him. He understands. God knows my heart. We need to stop. And you know what? If you've been saying it, ask God to take that out of your vocabulary so that you can humble yourself down to him and, 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 and offer something up to him when it says, but I say, I have, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and, they were, and their words unto the ends of the world. This is the prophets, the pastors, preachers all go out and declare the word of God to everywhere, okay? Because he's, Jesus does not coming back until his word has gone all over everywhere to give man an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the last scripture is received up in glory. That's Romans 16, verse 26. Romans 16, verse 26. And it says, but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So we have no excuse because we have the scriptures. 
that's made known for anybody to get and to read to know who Jesus is. Amen? It's up to us. Are we going to receive it? What you believe out of this word? Or are you going to let your generics have you to critique who was the writer? And y'all know what I mean. You got these people out here talking about, well, uh, man wrote this book. It's not necessarily true because man wrote it. Man have to do everything, but God endorsed it, appointed, anointed man to write, and he poured into them what to write. I don't care what their complexion was. We need to get over that, that stuff. That's what is hindering us from receiving the fullness that God has for his believers is with our own prejudiced views. God don't want any of us to be prejudiced against anyone for any reason. He says it in the Bible, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Because if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. I don't care where you came from. There's only two, Jews and Gentiles. The covenant of his uh, uh, um, relationship went to the Jews. So you need to inherit what comes from the Jews which means you need to be born again and not be recognized as a Gentile. We are not Gentiles if you are a believer. Did y'all know that? We are Jews. We inherit the promise. We inherit the covenant. I'm not a Gentile. I'm a believer that won't be here for tribulation with the other Jews that have not accepted him. Okay, bring it to a close that we're going to do um, a benediction. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ have made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage for we are free because you have cried out, Abba Father. Walk in that freedom May the blessings of God be with you. His angels, ministering angels, guard you and keep you. And travel in mercies as you leave here. And please tell somebody about Jesus. Amen.